0: It's a privilege to be with you this morning and continue the better series. Happy New Year, everybody. Yes. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? How many? Okay. There's a few out there that'll connect to this message because we're supporting you and the diligence you need and the self-discipline you need to be successful. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about better, uh, better to have that self-control, that self-discipline, that umption, that gumption to keep going and keep on keeping on to do the things you need to do to be successful. How many of you have started a business? Okay. You know how it is. It's a lot of work and you can't just say, oh, it's going to flourish. You have to say, I am going to be diligent. I am going to be on my game. And every every morning you get up and you go to work and you plan and you implement and you have goals and you pursue them and you have to be on top of them. Amen? You can't just lay back and expect things to happen. God gave you some responsibility, right? Yeah, he wants to bless you, but you have to step out and you have to work hard. And so this is the age of uh, resolution. This is usually the time of year. You realize that a lot of those, after two weeks, get dropped or modified. But we are praying for you to be successful in every area of your life that would glorify the Lord, every area to be a blessing. I want to pray for that. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for everyone who's here this morning. We want to be a blessing to them. And God, you are a blessing. You are the blessing giver. And we would pray that you would show us how much better it is uh, to be dependent on you and to experience the uh, self-discipline and the gumption and and the moving forward that some of us need to do in many different ways in order to experience what you have for us. I pray that you would inspire us this morning and that everybody would leave with something that would help them to walk with you, love you more and serve you well. In Jesus name. Do I have an amen? amen. Why thank you. I appreciate that. So our verse for the day is Proverbs 16:32 and whoever is slow to anger, underline slow, some translations put it patient. Whoever is patient is better than the mighty because, you see, the mighty here is in opposition, They're difference. The people with might, they have power, and they just step on you. They just step forward and do what they want to do. They tell you what they want you to hear, and they just move forward. And when you watch TV, you see people with build out, burned out, bombed out apartments, and you understand what the mighty do. And that's the difference. A person slow to anger holds back and holds control of themselves, where the mighty, they're out to conquer, and that's why some translations say the victorious, the conqueror, the warrior. And he who rules his spirit, now that's the inside. That's in here and in here. To rule that, it shows up on the outside here. And that's in contrast to those who take cities, those who conquer them. Uh, Take no hostages, right? Yeah, taking the city, they just want the real estate and the the jewels and the gold and anything they can confiscate. That's what's happening here. And that's the difference between the two. So I guess we're done with the message and you can go home. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because you know it's not true. That's right. So we want to talk about some, some motivators, three motivators today. Uh, my wife knows this, but in 2019, I decided I was going to be a better husband. I was going to be better. And I've been trying diligently to work at that, and, and some of my friends are out there in the audience, and they're my accountability partners, and I share with them what I'm doing to be a better husband because I want my wife to feel like she's on the top of the world, and I'm supporting her and encouraging her and being a blessing in her life. And I know many of you men are pursuing that, that you love your wives, and that's one of the applications of the message today is that you keep on pursuing loving your spouse. And those of you who are in business, you keep on trying to glorify the Lord in business. You students, you keep praying and asking God, God, show me... If I should modify my educational plan, I'm going to study hard. I'm, day after day, I'm going to work after it. I'm going to try to be the best I can be and study under the best that there is. And I'm going to try to learn my field and get that knowledge so that I can get out there and make a great living and, and do something positive in the world. And there's all these other applications that come with this whole issue of applying this verse Because you see, self-discipline is better than the ability to rule over other people. Because you can always point to other people and tell them what they should be doing. But you see, greatness is you stopping and saying, it starts with me. I'm gonna grow, I'm going to learn, I'm gonna develop character, and that's better than the ability to tell other people what to do or to control their lives. And so what that does is it drives you right to the Lord because God is invested in you. I mean, he's just so into you. He knows all about you, and he wants to grow you. And if you're willing to cooperate, he's willing to empower. And that's what happens. And so a few days ago, I was trying. I not only committed in 2019 to be the best husband I could be, but also the best dad I could be. And so one of the ways I try to do that, is to communicate. Because sometimes we men assume that people know what we're thinking. We can't figure out why you don't understand what we're thinking, even if we, yeah, maybe we haven't told you, but you should know, right? No, it's not. (laughs) We need to talk, and we need to communicate. So the other day, my son was in the living room, and I was just got through the door and went up to the kitchen and was making some food. And I put my head around the corner and I said to him, your brewing coffee is ready, it's nice and dark. And I thought I heard him grunt or say something back to me. And so I thought he was listening. So I kept talking to him. I started telling him how my day had went and what I'd done at work and who I got to talk to and how fun it was, and what I enjoyed about the day, And, and I just went on and on, and finally, I walked out of the kitchen to the kitchen, or the uh, kitchen table, and I sat down there, and I, I, I said to him, "So what do you think about that?" And I heard nothing. And, and then finally, over the um, chest that was up on end, because we were putting Christmas stuff away, I couldn't see him from the table over there, the chest was in the way, he, he did something. He said, Dad, have you been talking to me? <laughs> I said, yeah, have you been listening? He said, Dad, I just took my earbuds out. <laughs> oh!" <laughs> and he said, Dad, all you have to do is make sure I'm listening before you start talking. Okay, thank you, son. Thank you, appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I will remember that next time. Are your earbuds in? (laughs) So I'm going to work at it. So I'm just saying this to show you it's not easy. It's work. And, you know, there's obstacles. And so I felt I succeeded at being patient with him, and I felt like I learned something that I needed to know about how to communicate better with him. So we're going to look at these three motivators that help you to be better at self-discipline. You know what self-discipline is? It's the ability to say, go. That's right. It's the ability to say, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to step out of apathy. I'm going to step out of passivity, and I'm going to step by step decision by decision get with the program and move forward with the goal and i'm going to implement the steps of action to achieve it right mike that's right because he taught me this that's right and so self-discipline also called self-rule have you ever thought of that self-rule helps us with this self-rule concept How am I doing at ruling in my life and letting God do the work in me? Well, let's talk about how that works. It says in our verse for today, whoever is slow to anger, many of your translations say patient. How many of you are known for being patient, a patient person? A few of you? Okay, that's good. Because we all need to become slower to express this emotion and stronger at expressing patience that's better than the mighty. The mighty don't have to be patient. Because, you see, the mighty exercise their power to make things happen. And that's why they tend to step on people. They don't care about the relationships. They're just trying to conquer. But if you are patient with people, you are a relationship builder. That's right. Because you value people more than you value winning. And so if you're into customer service, you're going to care more about whether you are helping that person have a great experience than just trying to make a sale and getting yourself some money. Now it's okay to make money, but do you care about the customer service? You see... Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty because, you see, they are thinking about people rather than their pocketbook and their benefit. There are are certain benefits of pursuing this self-rule, and one is wise boundaries. A man, or a woman for that matter, without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In the ancient cultures, most cities had walls. In Europe and the Middle East, archaeology shows, wall after wall after wall went up. You can read about it in your Bible. They had walls. What were those walls for? They were boundaries of protection. They were both protection, which provided a defense, and they could get up on the walls and exercise an offense on an attacking army. And so with a person without self-control is like a breach in the wall where you are vulnerable. You have an opening for outside forces, wrong ideas, and unscrupulous people to come in and affect you adversely. And that's why walls are important, and that's why the first thing that every man, woman, and young person needs to think about is what are the wise boundaries that I'm going to enforce in my life? the things I control. What I say no to is called self-control. What I say go to is self-discipline. You need a combination of both of those in your life to know what will keep you from the goal and undermine it. And you need the stick to to carry through with the goal so that you can experience it. And it all starts with some boundaries. Everybody has boundaries. Don't, come on now. Everybody has some boundaries, and that's wise. Wise relationships are the second benefit of this self-rule. Ladies, listen to this real carefully. I think this is speaking to you. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a man who's wrathful. Why? Because relationships are one of the most powerful, dynamic, influential forces you will ever enter into. Just think about it first before you enter into a relationship with a man who's given to anger. In other words, this is kind of a pattern. It shows up and a wrathful man who lets it loose. Young ladies, single ladies, may I speak to you for a moment? God is trying to protect you through giving you instruction about choosing a wise relationship, not settling for any relationship. A wise relationship is going to be a friendship or going with a guy that doesn't demonstrate the control of anger in his life every guy has a fuse every girl has a fuse the question is how long is it some of us have really long fuses and others of us well have really short fuses okay <laughs> and some of you are somewhere in between on the continuum, right? And the scripture's just saying is that there's, there's some people out there who haven't learned to deal with their emotion. And this particular issue of anger, which comes up when you don't get your needs met, your values are dissed and opposed, or you're not experiencing honor, and respect for your identity. Those three things the social scientists say make people really angry fast. Tends to be that way. And God's just saying, I want to protect you. Don't go deep into a relationship with someone who has especially an anger issue that goes on. And he even tells you why. Because you'll end up learning that person's ways And you'll feel trapped. You'll feel entangled in a relationship that maybe you feel you can't even get out of. And the connections are there. You can't just pretend the connections aren't there. It impacts your life. And that's why God wants to protect you. Our anger, our anger can end up being self-destructive. I still remember the night where the sound of deconstruction was going on. Don't you love it when neighbors deconstruct after dark? Oh, what are you laughing about now? Why, what are you, what's so funny? It's not funny. You, you want to be home resting in your castle, right? right? And so I'm hearing the sound of glass breaking, and I'm going, that doesn't sound good. I go out the front door and step out there and I hear I hear the sound of thuds and and wood cracking and another window breaking and then I hear the sound of a the faint in the faint distance out here out this direction I hear the sound yes of a siren and sure enough a police car comes whizzing by down the street and around and about a hundred yards down the neighborhood, someone was doing damage to a house. The next morning, I walked down there, and one of the neighbors said, "Yeah, the the person last night—they uh, kind of lost it." And I said, "Well, why'd they do this to the house they'd been working on all summer to renovate? It was beautiful." All I saw was the outside, but it was done, and it was, they had changed it from an old, you know, rickety house up to a really nice-looking house. And they said, well, what I heard was is that the person who lived there, who was doing the construction, the renovation, apparently took some drugs and some uh, alcohol together, and they just lost it. And they took a sledgehammer, and they destroyed the house wow. I thought, wow. And that, that person did such a beautiful job. Isn't it amazing how anger can come out at times and be so destructive? And that's a house. The house you can replace people you can't. You know what I mean? People are more valuable. They are, they're the most valuable of all. And so we need to take care of people rather than bruising people with our emotion. And so, after we have boundaries and we enter into wise relationships, then we interact with those precious relationships and give wise responses. Know this, my beloved brothers, sisters, let every person be quick to do what? And then he gives two slows, one quick and two slows, slow to anger, and slow to speak. So what's he saying there? Can you imagine what he's trying, what process he's trying to encourage? Be someone who's good at listening, but whoa, put on the brakes and slow down, quit trying to think in your head what you're gonna say over them or say to them, just listen carefully, and then after you've thought about it, speak and be sure not to show anger in the process of doing that. And why? Once again, he tells why. He's trying to protect us. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Wow. I think of, I think of someone in Scripture. Oh, we, we oftentimes talk about the prodigal. Remember the young man? They came up to his dad and said, Dad, um, I want to leave. You know, I want to leave. And, Dad, uh, I, I need money, so uh, would you mind liquidating some of your estate so that I can have your, my inheritance early? Now, that sounds really weird, doesn't it? No. That, that, oh, yeah. oh Dad. Well, isn't that the equivalent of me saying to Dad, Dad, I wish you were dead? Yeah. Isn't it? Because inheritance has come after, yes. yes, after death. But this young man has the something, the gall, to ask his dad for his inheritance, which means dad has to liquidate some of this to give it to him. And what dad's going to do it? The prodigal's dad did it. Wow. That's different. That boy went off with the money. And he had a good time. <laughs> Scripture said he had a really good time. Um, until, guess what happened? The money came to a sudden end. <laughs> and, and, then, and then life became tough. And then this young man had to, had to, you know, just beg, basically, and find a job, of all things. And he gets a job feeding the swine at somebody's farm and he's so hungry and he's so destitute that the scripture says that he started taking the peas that he was throwing into the slop pile and he started eating them himself and so one day he was i don't know you can just imagine i've lived near near a hog farm and ugh, it's it's stinky And I can just imagine him sitting there with some peas and just tossing them in and looking at the swine and going, what am I doing here? This is nuts. And the scripture says that he thought about his dad's workers and he had the thought, my dad's workers have it so much better than I. What am I doing? Paraphrase mine. And so he's thinking about it. Who know, I don't know how long the process was. Finally he decided, I need to go back home. I'm wrong. I need to tell dad I'm wrong before God and my dad. God and man. I need to go back and just say it like it is. I, but obviously I've offended my dad, so what do I do? Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe, Maybe he will make me a servant because I would rather be a servant in my dad's house than a hog farmer. And he goes back to his dad and he goes back home and he doesn't make it to the house. You know why? Guess what the dad does? The dad sees him out the, I don't know if he had a window or a curtain, but he sees the son coming and he gets so excited. His son who has been lost, he had no idea where he was, is coming down the road back and he just runs out the door and he goes and meets his son and the scripture says that he threw his arms around him and hugged him and kissed him and he told his, his workmen, go slaughter the best. And the son says, dad, dad, I just, I'm, I'm so sorry I was wrong. I just, could you make me a worker out here with the rest of the work people? And the dad says, no, and he tells his, his men, go, go slaughter the best we have. We're going to celebrate because he's, he who has been lost is found. The dad had every reason to be angry with that foolish young person. But he did not dish it back at his son. When his son came home, he was slow to anger. In fact, it doesn't even say he was angry, but he was quick to listen. And when the son spoke, what the father said was healing. It wasn't demeaning. It wasn't devaluing. The dad wouldn't allow the son to be a worker on the property. He was still his son. The dad was making a statement of value. The value that every son, every daughter wants to hear. I value you. I love you. I will never degrade you. And it leads to the fourth thing, and that is a wise goal. Because once you've set the boundaries and you enter into the wise and right relationship, and then you are responding in a healthy way, then you are ready to decide, okay, have I achieved strife or have I accomplished quieting contention? And just imagine that son's thoughts... As dad was saying to him, no, no, you're not, you're not my servant, you're, you're not my worker, uh, you're not a hired hand, you are my son and you are valuable to me and we are going to have a feast and celebrate your return. You return as my son just as you left as my son. Nothing has changed, I love you. Isn't that what you want to hear? The goal. The goal. What's your goal? Are you going to produce conflict or are you going to produce peace? It's pretty easy to answer, a little bit harder to choose to achieve, but that's the goal. The second motivator is that by pursuing this self-discipline, it will make you a more balanced person. That the extremes, you realize there's three options here. You remember the law of the excluded middle, where we just say this extreme, that extreme? That's not true. You see, you can live your life motivationally as the aggressor over here. You're after pursuing, and, and you're telling everybody what to do, and, and your goal and your dream and your kingdom's going to become because you're going to will it into being, even if you have to step on people all along the way. And then there's the other extreme. Here's the passive person who lacks confidence, and they just lay in the gravel and do what people do in the gravel there. They just go nowhere. They just say to themselves, woe is me, I can't move forward, I don't know what to do. Well, those are two extremes. The middle is this. You want to hear what it is? What, you curious? This is the behavior of someone who's not at the extremes, who's in the middle. Better is he who rules his spirit then he who conquers takes, that is, a city. Because you see, the person who takes a city, they don't care about the relationships. What they care about is the conquest and what they acquire or achieve. The person who rules his spirit is thinking about you and me and they value the person. Personhood is valued in this world and in this way. And so what they end up doing is they show restraint in their responses. A fool gives how much vent? Full vent. They just let it out. I've heard them even say, I'm proud that I just say what comes to my mind. (laughs) Ah, Depends on what comes to your mind, right? Full vent. I'm just going to express it forcefully if I want to, even if it might hurt your feelings. Maybe even step on you. Maybe even misrepresent. Oh my goodness, there's all kinds of harm and hurt that happens right here. But the wise person quietly holds it back. You see, there's a philosophy of child rearing out there that refuses to expose their children to any restraint. It used to be called just experimentation. Just let your child experiment with everything. God's Word doesn't teach that. God's Word shows you right here that restraint is important. So early childhood raising, you parents that are doing this, and you're training your child how to adjust to disappointment. You don't get your way all the time in life, right? You don't, even if you're working hard. But you can respond graciously even when you don't win, when you don't get the medal, when you don't get the A-plus on the exam. You only score 80 instead of 95 or 100. You see, your identity isn't tied to your performance. And the value of people in your lives is not determined by how they perform for you. You value people regardless of the performance factor, (coughs) excuse me, and you don't fully vent and you wisely show restraint. You need to learn to say just enough, but not everything. When many words are said, transgression is not lacking. Because what comes out shows something dark in you. People recognize it. Might be manipulation. It might, they might feel you're attacking them. That you're trying to build yourself up while you're tearing them down. There's all kinds of ways, techniques that people do this. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Only say what really needs to be said to inform people or build them up or be constructive in the situation. And then be patient and gentle with them. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. In other words, power is not in force. Power is not in saying ugly words. Power is in being selective, patient, gentle, and caring with what you're saying. And since that ruler might be persuaded by patience, maybe your friend or your parent, or you will be persuaded when someone treats you that way. That's what you really want, isn't it? Yeah, you just want to be treated with some respect, And care. You don't want to be bruised. So, Paul was reasoning with a a leader in Rome, actually, uh, there in Jerusalem. And so, he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. And Felix was alarmed. Uh, One translation says, fearful. You see, people push back when they're not comfortable. And Felix was pushing back probably because this topic came up. Nobody's always self-controlled. Everybody uh, falls short of perfection. And they will give us the signal, and we respond by that, by just acknowledging it, and then we just wait for them to come back later. It happens in evangelism when you're witnessing to people and sharing. They'll come back if they want. And then the third motivator is the heart. We save the best for last because, you see, what is going to help you be motivated to carry through? Self-rule starts with the heart. And here we have God's heart for people when Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me give you the backdrop. Starting earlier in the chapter, he talks about murdering people, killing people. Boy, that's extreme. And then he goes to uh, hatred and conflict in marriage because that's a really close relationship that can get really uh, conflicted fast. And then he talks about some other lesser topics about just getting along with people. And finally, he talks about love. And then he makes this statement. He said, you've heard it said, um, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And he said, no, no. He said, I want you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. To love everybody, they might not love you back. Be like your heavenly father. That's what he's talking about here. Love people in the relationships. I got a little bit of a throat thing going on here from my sinuses, but I'll work through it with you. In fact, would someone go get me some hot water? That would really help me right here. So I want to tell you about Joseph, because Joe, thank you. Joseph is the picture of this. Joseph in the Old Testament. You know what happened to that guy? Ah, it was a series of craziness. Yeah. I mean, his brothers don't like him because he says some things that sound kind of haughty and stuff like that. They get irritated at this guy. They're finally done with him. You know what they do? They sell him into a traveling um, Um, caravan that is going to sell him into slavery and they sell him to him and then they take his cloak and then they kill an animal and rub the blood on the cloak and take it to dad and say dad your son your son has died apparently an animal has attacked him and killed him and off his son is on a caravan heading somewhere in the Middle East toward Egypt Thank you. Give her a hand, would you? Yeah. All right. Oh, that is hot. Amen. Don't worry. I'll keep going fast. And so, and so he ends up in Egypt. He ends up in jail. He ends up being accused of stuff he didn't do. This stuff keeps happening to him. If I was him, I'd be going, God, why are you letting this stuff happen to me? I'm not, I'm not trying to get in trouble, but it just seems like everybody has it in for me. And then he's in jail with these two people who actually work pretty high up in the government. And he, these guys have these questions for him about things. And, and he has this vision, and he explains to them what's going to happen to them. And both of them are released before him. They got early release. And they they talk to the king, their Pharaoh, about this guy that's able to interpret things and just really smart. And so Pharaoh ends up approaching after. He has a vision to say, okay, I want to talk to this guy. See if he can help me understand what my dream was about. And he does it, and he gives the explanation there's going to be a famine. It's going to be seven years long. And what we need to do for the seven years preceding that is that we need to save Wow, it sounds like your home financing plan, doesn't it? Save. Let's save. Let's save up for a rainy day. And you know, he's been raised to number two in Egypt. Pharaoh is the only power ahead of him. And then a famine comes across the region, the entire Middle East. And everybody's looking for food kind of like the kid that left his dad with the inheritance and ended up eating a peas with the, with the hogs. And now and now back in Israel, um, dad's saying, I need to send you boys out looking for food because there's none here. And they go down to Egypt. And Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. And he sends them back to dad with some requirements, and he made it hard for, somewhat hard for them to do that, but... In the process of doing that, they realize, oh my goodness, we need to go back and try to make things right with Pharaoh, and I don't know how this is going to work out, and I don't know how Joseph is going to respond to us, and oh my goodness, and you could just read Genesis uh, 37 through 45, just how nervous they are, and they go back, and what does Joseph do? He finally is talking to his brothers and asking them about back home and everybody, and he finally reveals to them I'm your brother. And you know, at that point, the story is weird to me because if I was Joseph, I would have said, now it's time for you. But he doesn't do that. You know what he does? He says, he says you're my brothers. And I want you to know this. Don't go back to dad and don't argue on the way. It says literally, don't argue on the way because he knew they would. He knew him, and he said, don't argue, but bring dad back here and bring him down, and they did just that, and he took care of his family, and he told his brothers, here's how I want you to think about this. You intended it for evil, but God used it for good because God was planning for this famine to come And he sent me here through you so that I could provide not only for you, but the entire world. And Egypt did for seven years. That's, that is exactly what that's about. Loving the people, even the people who have hurt you. And I know you've been hurt. We all get hurt. It's just different ways and different degrees. But don't live in your hurt. Your hurt won't help you. Live through the Lord and get beyond that hurt and be like Joseph and be able to love even those who have harmed you. Well, I'm going to pick up the pace here really quick and just say to you, the way this happens is through the Holy Spirit's help. If you want to become the young person or the middle-aged person or the older person who is empowered to live a self-disciplined life, you're not going to do it by willpower. You're going to do it by spirit power, the Holy Spirit's power. There's this lady named Grace and her name is perfect. People would drive down I-5 to talk with her. She was this wise old woman and I went to visit her several times. She got to an age where she could no longer go out to the fair and go out in the community, even walking outside her apartment. She ended up being apartment bound. And so people started coming to her. And Susan and I we drove down I-5 to go see Grace. And she was a woman of wisdom and a woman of grace. And even though her eyes were failing her, even though her strength was fading on her, she was a minister of these qualities to everyone who came to see her. She gave them good advice, but she oozed with this, with this. This amazing fruit. When you meet a person that's this way, they're amazing. Some of you are amazing. Some of you are becoming amazing. Today, some of you may choose to trust Christ for the Holy Spirit to make you amazing. And we root for amazing people. Amen? You want to be that. I know you do. You're tired of the rat race, and you want to become more like Jesus, and you want to receive his Holy Spirit, and you want to become kind of like Grace. Just the kind of person that just makes people want to be around you and travel to see you, to get advice from you, because there's something that you have to offer that's supernatural. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great patience with us. You're the model, and we're just trying to get on board and uh, trust you for everything. Trust you for our forgiveness of sins. Trust you for character formation. Trust you for our business. Trust you for our income. Trust you for education. Trust you for that... uh, that special person you will put in our life or already have put in our life. And Lord, we want to value our relationships and and Father to let the Holy Spirit make us more like you. And if there's anyone that wants that, would you just with head bow raise your hand and I'll pray for you? Yes. 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 Yes? Anyone else? Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 Anyone else? It's free for he doesn't it doesn't charge you a thing. He is willing to give you this. Yes. Yes, young lady. Yes, young lady. And so Heavenly Father, you've seen everyone that raised a hand or raised their heart to you and said, I want you. I I want to be able to be this different kind of person. Because of your spirit who comes into me through faith in Jesus Christ. Guide us now we pray. Amen. And now we take communion and the ushers will come forward now and pass the bread and the juice out to you. And just spend a moment, as scripture says, remembering that this represents the body and the blood of Jesus. He gave his body for your life and he shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And when you're ready to take the bread and juice and celebrate on your own, because you mean it, take the bread and juice as the music is being played, and Scott will be closing up for us.